0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Sunday message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church for Sunday, February the 19th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Melvin Gaines, and we're going to go ahead and get started with this message with a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful to be gathered now before you, Lord, we, whether you are uh, watching online or if you happen to join us in church on Sunday. Thank you, Lord, for your presence We pray, Lord, that you'll bless us now with the message that you are conveying, not my words, but your words, and that indeed the Holy Spirit is present for all who hear it. And we thank you and give you all praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This message is entitled Quiet Rebellion. Pastor Gus Brown has been bringing messages over the last couple of weeks about God's warnings for people. To heed and obey his messages. Well, my question for you is are you listening? Not just for what Gus said, but are you paying attention to the admonitions of God's Word? Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Proverbs chapter 8. I'm going to take a look at a passage, Proverbs 8. We're going to look at verses 32 through 36. Proverbs 8. Verses 32 through 36. And this particular uh, passage is in the New Living Translation. Proverbs 8, starting at verse 32. And so, my children, listen to me. For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, watching for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. If there is one constant that God puts forth about his word it is that he calls for everyone to listen to him and heed his words. But he also knows the hearts of those who choose not to follow him. At one time, I was one of those people. If we're all honest about this, we were all in this category at one time or another in our lives, in our flesh, in our own flesh. We readily committed sin after sin. Be honest. First John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And take a look real quick at Romans 3.23. Some of you may know this one already by heart. But let's look at Romans 3, verse 23. Romans 3, verse 23. And it is a verse that, if you haven't already done so as far as memorizing it, you should memorize it because it's a reminder of who we really are as a people. Verse 23 of Romans 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice that there is a much higher standard that confronts us in our sin. Our lifestyle in the flesh does not hold up well against God's standards. It will always fall short of God's standard because of the hardness of our hearts. Our challenge lies in where our hearts are. Now, let's talk about hearts here. This is not about your physical heart, which typically beats anywhere from 60 to 100 beats per minute. It'll beat faster during exercise in order to pump blood throughout your body where your blood, uh, where it needs oxygen. Uh, it has to go to your muscles. Everyone's heart physically operates in the same manner. What we're referring to here, and what isn't the same for everyone, is the spiritual side of the heart. God's view of the state of your heart, from a spiritual perspective, is what the Lord deems most important. Why is, he, uh, why is that said? Well, in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, let's take a look at that. Go to Jeremiah 17, Verse 9. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, this is a, also in the English standard version. What is the spiritual state of our hearts? Well, if we are being honest and looking at how we are, if you go back to look at Romans 3:23, then Jeremiah 17:9 makes perfect sense. Verse 9 of Jeremiah 17 says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick." Who can understand it? And that's what's really important for us to recognize here. We are often deceived by our own hearts. We don't really know the truth about who we are at times. We're fooled by how quickly sometimes we can fall into sin and sinful practices. And God looks at things differently than we do. Amen? Go to First Samuel 16 and let's look at verse 7. First Samuel 16, verse 7. Verse 7 of First Samuel 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We all look at outward appearances sometimes to make judgments and decisions about people or things that we see. But God goes much further than we can go. He can see the heart of the individual. He can see things that we just can't or just won't, aren't able to see because of who we are in the flesh. The Bible considers the heart to be the center of one's personality and it produces those things that encompass the thoughts from the mind what god has seen about the hearts of those who do not heed his word is far from complimentary take a look at what it says in mark go to mark chapter 7 let's look at verses 21 through 23 mark 7 verses 21 through 23 This is the English Standard Version, Mark 7, starting at verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. These are all characteristics of a hardened heart. A hardened heart. The symptoms of those with hardened hearts should be very troubling. The most troubling matter is that those who have hardened hearts are unaware of their sickness, they're unaware of it and that's corroborated in Ephesians four verse 18. go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 Ephesians 4:18 and this is the English standard version Ephesians four verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, it says in verse 14, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and, with their, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Now what this passage is revealing here is that there is a way out for those who turn from their transgression, hardened hearts will receive God's mercy through repentance and his forgiveness. And, of course, here's a passage that we should be familiar with as well, too. First John chapter 1, verse 9. Take a look at that. First John 1, verse 9. First John 1, verse 9 in the Christian Standard Bible. Remember what it says here, hardened hearts will receive God's mercy through repentance and his forgiveness. And of course, if we repent, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. It says here, that's what it says in this passage, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the passage that we really should hang on to very closely All we have to do is just confess our sins, repent and turn from our sins. The things that we did that, boy, we don't ever want to do again. And we don't ever want to cross uh, the Lord with something like those things. So if we just take our sins and give them to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. It is God's character that he exercises mercy and draws us near to himself. But we need to see that he only extends this mercy when we make the first move to show that we need him in our lives. We have to go to him. Those with hardened hearts make decisions sometimes over and over again that they do not want God or even worse, want nothing to do with him. So with this information, allow yourselves to do some personal reflection on this. Hardened hearts can happen with believers in Jesus as well as non-believers. Just in case you thought that maybe believers uh, get a pass on this. No, they really don't. They need to absolutely make sure that they are not just looking at the things of the world. And here's a passage to remind us of this. I'm going to read through the whole thing and just go right through it. Go to Mark chapter 8. I want you to follow along with me, please. Mark chapter 8 and go to verse 14. We're going to cover verses 14 through 21. Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. And this will also be from the New Living Translation as well, too. And keep in mind that this is a dialogue between Jesus and his disciples. And let's let's follow along here. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 8. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Verse 16, at at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or even understand understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven. They said, don't you understand yet? He asked them. Very valid questions that he posed to the disciples. Were they really paying attention? But what you got to understand is really important here that even believers in Jesus can be negatively impacted by the lures of the cares of this world. And that's what we have to recognize here that you can refer to that in Mark chapter four, verses 18 and 19. We won't turn to that, but you can refer to that. And note that a specific characteristic that involves the hardness of heart is rebellion. Rebellion. Rebellion, the definition of rebellion is any opposition to authority, period. It may be overt, it may be out in the open, or covert, as in kept to oneself. Or it may be warlike or it might be peaceful. But in each instance, the mind is determined to go in the opposite direction from obedience to God and to his will. The opposite direction of obedience to God. The opposite direction of conformity to his will. The first recorded sin in the Bible was a sin of rebellion in Genesis chapter 3. Rebellion is an act of... Of selfishness. It sometimes comes out of a person in the form of arrogance. It is the opposite of humility and empathy. And it only breeds confusion and leads to more progressive acts of sin. Take a look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. This will be from the English Standard Version. Please follow along on yours. Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, for some of us, that's really hard to do sometimes. It really is all about being selfish rather than being unselfish. James chapter 3, verse 16 in the New Living Translation says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. It's very, very clear how Scripture comes down on this issue: Any acts that are outside of God's will and His obedience, obedience to His word are acts of rebellion. Now, a subset of rebellion is foolishness. Now I don't have to go into details as to what foolishness represents, but there's warnings all throughout Scripture about foolish behavior. And each warning is consistent as to the negative outcome for those who practice foolishness. Fools repel the truth of God's word. You can even make the argument fools are always going to be fools. They're just not going to uh, have the sense to come around. But we can't really make that statement uh, in totality because we know that every person has an opportunity to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And it's a choice. And the thing is, is that fools repelling the truth of God's word, go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Let's take a look at that. This is going to be in the King James Version, a version you should be very familiar with. Proverbs 1, verse 7. And here it also references with the importance of looking to the Lord and having reverence for him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Foolishness is how to describe those who fail to accept God's wisdom and authority. Take a look please at First Corinthians 2:14. We've got a lot of passages to look at here today. That's okay. this is just a matter of building a case here for what we're talking about today. First Corinthians 2 verse 14. First Corinthians 2:14. This is in the New Living Translation. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. Let me read that again. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Now, the word spiritual in this passage can also refer to those who don't have the Holy Spirit or those who only have physical life. They may be living, but they just don't acknowledge who God is. Those who possess the saving power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit do not perceive God's word as folly or foolishness. The natural man who operates in the flesh holds that believing in God is what's foolish. The natural man. We see it all the time today. It's very apparent. Now, the more concerning issue with rebellion is the more covert act of indifference towards God. Now, this is my opinion. But of all of the acts of rebellion against God, this one is especially dangerous. Why? Because those who give off indifference over God do not think this is an issue. They don't think it's a problem. They do not know that this behavior, prolonged behavior, will never be accepted by God. And they do not know that it leads to eternal judgment where they will not be in fellowship with him once they pass away. The issue is the righteousness of God versus the perception of Of righteousness that men and women believe that they have. Men and women who trust only in themselves are greatly deceived. Satan has them in a quiet place where they are not contemplating the consequences of failing to accept Jesus as Lord. You don't consider Jesus if you believe that your good works are sufficient. Or that being a good person is enough to get by. These people fail to see that they are in the bondage of sin. The bondage of sin. It's a quiet path to one's personal destruction. Take a look, please, at Romans chapter 3. And let's look at uh, a couple of excerpts from that passage. Romans chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12. And then we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. Let's go start with verse 10, Romans chapter 3. Verse 10. As the scriptures say, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. And then drop down to verse 18. They have no fear of God at all. Verse 19, Obviously the law applies to those to whom it is, was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. That's right, the only remedy we have Against the law is Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus Christ as Lord. That is the only remedy that we have. We are guilty against the law. When measuring our good works against God's word, we will never measure up. The Holy Spirit speaks to every person, He even speaks to those who are in a state of quiet rebellion. If only they would consider the words of the prophet Isaiah. In his own appeal to God. Go to Isaiah 64. Let's take a look at that. Isaiah 64 verses 5 through 9. Isaiah 64. Starting at verse 5. Now this is from the easy to read version. ERV. But follow along with what it says here. And this again is Isaiah speaking to God. You welcome people who enjoy doing good and who remember you by living the way you want them to. But we sinned against you and you became angry with us, but you always saved us. We are all dirty with sin. Even our good works are not pure. They are like blood-stained rags. We are all like dead leaves. Our sins have carried us away like wind. Verse 7, we don't call to you for help. We aren't excited about following you, so you have turned away from us. We are helpless before you because we are full of sin. Verse 8, but Lord, you are our father. We are like clay and you are the potter. Your hands made us all. Lord, don't continue to be angry with us. Don't remember our sins forever. Please look at us. We are all your people. If only they would make that confession and recognize that they need Jesus. There are people all around us that are in a state of quiet rebellion against God. The Lord is not pleased with anyone who chooses rebellion but he readily accepts those who humble themselves before him. Please turn to Proverbs 28. Look at Proverbs 28. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. Proverbs 28, verses 13 and 14. This passage is from the World English Bible Version. Starting at verse 13, he who conceals his sins doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the man who always fears, but the one, one who hardens his heart falls into trouble. I like that word mercy. The man who fears was mentioned in this passage. The man who fears what? Well, the original Hebrew in that section of the passage is not mentioned God specifically, although it is implied in that the word fear refers to a sense of reverence. We are to be a people who respect the words of God and to take the necessary actions to follow his word. It is wise to do this. Amen? Amen. It's wise to do this. Let us always remember that our prayers for those in a state of quiet rebellion changes things. It is God's will for everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. So these hardened hearts that I'm referring to need God's softening touch. Please go to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. And we're going to look at verse 26. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. A new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Psalm 51, verse 10, also in the English interversion Version, says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's not a bad idea to take our present state right before God, right where we are, and just ask Him in prayer about creating a clean heart right then and there, humbling yourself before Him. God wants you to know that he chose you from the beginning and he wants you to flourish in your fellowship with him. Flourish. Too often, those who do not follow God believe that they don't need God. May we pray that those persons we know in this state be released from Satan's bondage and experience the freedom of Jesus Christ. Let's go to John chapter 8. John 8, and we're going to look at verse 31 and go through to verse 36. John 8, 31. This will be from the New Living Translation. John chapter 8, verse 31. Verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Now, he has an audience of believers and unbelievers here. Jesus said to the people who believe in him, "You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." Verse 33. "But we are descendants of Abraham," they said. These are the ones who were the people who chose not to believe Jesus. They were always in conflict with him, the Pharisees. "We have never been slave to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free?" Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son, meaning himself, sets you free, you are truly free. Amen. Note the words that Jesus just used here a slave of sin, is not a permanent member of God's family. Only believers in Jesus are permanent members of the family. There is freedom in Jesus because he secures our eternity with him. Pray for the freedom of your family, friends and peers, and don't stop The Holy Spirit is continually working to secure those who seek his freedom of salvation. Amen. Take a look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. This is a passage, too, that also should be committed to memory, just to be reminded of God's goodness and notice how we mentioned about mercy earlier. Well, here's where we see the word grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen. No one may boast. You can't save yourself. Jesus is the one who provides salvation as a gift for each one of us. Why? Remember, because of our own sin, our sinful nature, our flesh. Take a look at Titus chapter 3. Titus 3, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 7 and we'll be closing out. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. And this will also be from the New Living Translation. Verse 3 of Titus 3. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy, pardon me, full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. There is hope for those in quiet rebellion. But a lot of it is going to take prayer to rescue those people. Remain faithful in prayer that the Spirit will intercede and bring those in rebellion, even those in quiet rebellion, to a saving knowledge of Jesus. He is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, you indeed are faithful. You indeed are trustworthy. We trust you, Lord, with our very souls, our very lives. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that you have kept over and over again and how you have kept us and preserved us through the best of times and the worst of times. We thank you, Lord, for for everything that you're doing and all that you continue to do. But, Lord, we appeal to you now for those people in our lives that we know, whether they're close or not so close, we appeal to those individuals that we have contact with, that you will rescue them, that you will enlighten them to recognize that they need Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives, that by just doing good things or just living in such a manner where they're not in their own mind causing a ruckus or or even that they are being rebellious, Lord, you need to call to their attention that they are indeed, in fact, rebellion against you, that they recognize they need a savior because none of us are good enough except for you paving the way for those of us by acknowledging you as Lord and Savior. You died on the cross for us. You paid the penalty for our sins, Lord, something we could never do. And we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your patience. Lord, you are indeed very patient. May we recognize how patient you are and not take advantage of you in any way, shape, or form. Thank you, Lord, for loving us before we knew what love was. Thank you for saving us. And Lord, thanks for answering our prayers for those who need to hear the truth about Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do and all that you continue to do. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today for the message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We invite you to join us and stay with us on Akron Alliance Fellowship's Facebook page for all content. We also invite you to go to our website, akronalliance.org, for content and access to our podcast as well. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time.